When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Tripe Supper, Gazette Borough's Middlesbrough Football Club podcast. What a load of tripe. So Johnny Woodgate is a red yet again. I'm joined by Jonathan Taylor, Phil Tantai and Anthony Vickers to discuss the latest reshuffle in the coaching staff. Obviously Woodgate comes on the back of Paul Jenkins joining the first team staff and, and Joe Jordan's appointment following Itoke Ranker's dismissal. Vic, we'll start with you. Uh, the Jordan appointment, I guess, was, was, a, was a sensible one given the fact that Agnew needed someone in. Jenkins' step up made sense. Were you surprised at the Woodgate appointment? Uh, no, not really. Uh... When he was first mooted as going to Liverpool as a scout, uh, Steve Gibson kind of had a word with him and said, you know, not so fast. You know, there's always going to be a role here for you. He's someone that they wanted to keep in the mix. Uh, he's got Borough in his DNA. You know, he's Borough through and through. And he's been quite an influential figure over the last couple of years. I mean, as a player in his second spell... He hasn't always been effective because of injuries, but in the dressing room, he's a a big presence. Uh, A lot of the younger players especially have great respect for him and they admire him and what he's done. And he's been an advisor there, you know, to to a lot and and mentor to a lot of people. And, you know, the likes of Ben Gibson, you know, can't say enough good things about about Woody. Uh, And he's also taken his coaching badges and he's been keen to stay within the club. I think sometimes it's important to have that Teesside accent and continuity and people who understand the nuances of the club and its relationship with the fans. That doesn't mean that you take someone on as just as a mascot because they happen to have the right accent. But I, I think he's worked really hard to carve out a, a, a possible niche as a coach. And I think he would be a useful voice to have around the club because of his experience as a player and the fact that he knows everybody, he knows everyone and, and how how the, the mechanics of it work behind the scenes. So at a time of what's been quite a lot of turmoil, at an awkward stage of the season, I think someone like that can be, uh, there's useful input there. I don't think he ticks all the boxes as a coach, obviously he's, he's got barely any experience sort of first team coaching. I don't really think that's what he's there for. I think he's there to complete the chemistry almost of of a new setup at a very difficult time. So for me, I can see the logic to it. And knowing how he works, he's he's very upbeat. After a couple of months where things have been pretty grim, uh, I think sometimes maybe you need a little bubble of enthusiasm and someone that's going to be a uh, rah-rah on the soapbox, cheating people up. So I, I can see why they've done it and what he what he would bring to the mix. It was interesting, Phil, to see Steve Agnew warming the defenders up ahead of the Manchester United game. He was out as the manager doing the drills with the defenders who were pulled to one side while while Joe Jordan worked with the, with the attackers. You would think Woodgate had come in and, and 
especially pre-match, focus on that side of thing and let things and let Steve Agnew take a step back and look at the bigger picture. Yeah, I don't think we should read too much into the Man United game. Obviously, Aitor didn't go till the, th- the previous Thursday, so Agnew really had two days with the players. I think everyone was probably a little bit shell shocked on the back of the of the, the departure of Aitor Karanga as well. So I, again, I don't think you can read too much into it. I mean, Joe Jordan arrived, didn't he, on the Friday? So what what time did he have to make an imprint on the team? I think I think looking at the bigger picture, I think you're absolutely right. I think that gives Steve Agnew an opportunity to sit back a little bit from everything and be the be the overall uh, commander, whatever you want to call him. I think the interesting thing is that well, there's two things. It's it's a massive 180 degree turn from the Karanka regime in terms of the way the chairman wanted to go. Um, you know, we had that huge sea change at Rockcliffe in 2013 on the back of Tony Mowbray's departure. We saw Aitor come in, he appointed Carlos Kishada, Leo Perkovic. We saw Juan Jovia come in not so long back. Uh, Victor Orta, obviously, although that's slightly separate. We saw him come in. So, 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 look at, so, so to go from that right back to almost the Gareth Southgate, Tony Mowbray coaching model um, is, is really interesting. And obviously it would be something great to talk to Steve Gibson about at some point further down the line of why he's decided to go that way. I think Vic's right. It's a lot of what you know and who you trust and and the voices that you want to hear in the dressing room and around the ground any time of what you'd have to call crisis. My only slight concern, and I'm not saying it won't work, I've, there's, there's, there's as good a chance of working as any other f- system, is that with the, with the exception of Joe Jordan, there's very, very little Premier League management experience in that group. There's lots of coaching experience. You know, Steve Agnew is a vastly experienced coach. Paul Jenkins is a vastly experienced coach, albeit at a youth and junior and under-23 level. Uh, George Jordan's a vastly experienced manager and coach, so I don't have a problem with that. It's just who's gonna, you know, if you want that experience of guiding the team through the last ten games, you wouldn't say this group of coaches at Stroke manage, management people um, have got a huge amount of experience in that regard, with the exception of George Jordan. I don't think I understand the point. Definitely, I think that Steve Agnew really. I don't think ten games is enough time to try and completely mould a whole new kind of uh, outlook of the team I, I purely think we've got 10 games to get everyone back up off the canvas get everyone G'd up as Vic mentioned and and give Borough a fighting chance and I don't think experience especially will come into it really I mean you could argue that all of Aitor Karanka's backroom staff were inexperienced in the Premier League relegation battle uh, I th- I like it. I think there's a decent blend. Back to the Woody point, I can understand why he's coming. I think that he was all. I mean, you speak to any ex-player, certainly in the 2014-15 uh, squad uh, when Borough went to Wembley, and they they were always quick to say what a massive role he played in that dressing room. Woodgate, along with the, the you know the likes of Dean Whitehead and obviously Grant as well. I think Woody's role is almost going to be the kind of the the sounding board, the the bridge between the players and the staff for me. I think there is a role for that in the in the modern day. Jenkins, as you said, you know he's a he's been a coach for you know twenty odd years, and he's he, he knows all of the senior players. He, he speaks to them, you know, every day on the, the training pitch. So that continuity, I can see. And, and Jordan's your your guy that's you know clocked up you know several several hundred Premier League matches. So I think there's a blend of experience there. Everyone brings something different to the table. Will it work? Don't know. Um, we all were of the. You know, kind of belief that if things had stayed the same under Karanka, the writing was probably on the wall. This is a step into the unknown, a roll of the dice, but wouldn't anything be at this stage of the season? I think there's also a question of pragmatics here in that it, that might not be your ideal coaching staff that Steve Agnew would put together given the option. But with 10 games to go, 
really you're looking at who's available you know you can't go and, you're not going to be able to get attract a top coach from uh, uh, another Premier League club at this stage of the season and say come along and join me in a relegation battle and I don't know if I'm the manager next year so there's a pragmatic side to that as well it's who's available who do you trust who's willing to come in right now what does it take Phil um Obviously, Jonathan Woodgate was a top, top, top player, and the players talk about how much you learn from him as a player. But a lot of top players, you know, there's a mix. Some top players go into management and coaching, and it works. Some doesn't. What does it take to make that successful step from playing to management or coaching? I think I think I think any coach has to have the self awareness to realise what each individual player needs. And I think one of Ito's, although he was a wonderful, by all accounts, training ground organizer and coach. You know the drills that he put the players through were, by, were excellent. Apparently, it did seem to lack empathy with players, and I think obviously that's it can have that to a degree in the manager. But I think a coach, a coach has to be that conduit between the manager and the players, and he has to know when a player needs an arm round the shoulder. He needs, you know, he'll know from his twenty odd years in dressing rooms, um, Jonathan Woodgate, exactly what characters you come across. You know, and I think that's the important thing about someone like Woody. He's not one of the. He's not one of the almost badge collectors who didn't really play senior football he, he is somebody who's who, who, who's played the game at the highest highest level you know Champions League semi-finals he played for Real Madrid he's worked with Ronaldo the, old, the other Ronaldo he's worked with David Beckham he's, you know you name it he's played with some of the greatest players you know in world and English football so so his experience but also the fact that I think he understands I think he probably understands football hopefully he does I'm sure he does and I, you know not that long since he sat down with the Gazette and had a long chat and I thought it was illuminating some of the things he said and I think one of the things he can pass on as much um, positive messages is that he he knows, let's face it, the, the, the pitfalls of being a, a highly played young player in, in your early 20s as well so he can, he can hopefully avoid some, you know, guide some of the younger players into avoiding the potential problems that you might get um, but I think in answer to your question again I think I think he has to be, you know. I think that that empathy with the players is crucial. You know, he he'll hopefully, you know, he's big mates with Stuart Downing anyway. But hopefully, you know, if there were any problems with Downing, for example, he he'd be that link man. You know, lots of other players. He'd get on. I'm sure he gets on great with Ledbetter, Clayton, all those kind of characters as well. So, uh, and I'm not sure of his exact role. And I think I think one thing that doesn't really help when we're discussing this is the fact that we don't really know how open or closed ended it is. We assume it's till the end of the season, and I think it would be nice if something was, you know, maybe said publicly about that because at the moment we don't know if this group of people are together, you know, preparing almost for next season as well as this season, or whether it's a crisis management situation and we review it again in May. I suspect that's probably the reality. It'll be reviewed at the end of the season whether Borussia stay up or go down. So. Um, a lot of questions still need to be answered, but at least we can see the team that's come together to guide Borough through the last ten games. What what Phil touched on there, John, about the fact that we don't know we don't have a time scale, will that have any effect on the players? Do you think? Um, you would hope not. You would hope that they've basically been said, look, it's a ten game season, and do what you did after Charlton. Basically, you have ten games to define the season, go and do it. You don't need us to tell you what to do almost. Um, but I don't think it's overly helpful. I mean, you still see all of the kind of the reports this week and last week about you know foreign, you know some some familiar names ruling themselves out of the running of a running of a race that isn't really happening. So I don't think it's helpful. I do think I'm surprised there's not been more clarity on the situation. It was it was quite peculiar. 
you know, listening to Steve Agnew after the Man United game saying, look, I don't know, I don't know. But then Steve Gibson was interviewed and he said, yeah, it's Agnew's job. But clearly he doesn't know about that. It doesn't help. Of course it doesn't help. But I wouldn't imagine it would have an effect on the players. I hope that the players kind of see this as a real opportunity now and almost as kind of a, a liberation because, you know, for as good as Aito Karanka was, and he was you know, fantastic for this football club, there was a feeling towards the end that Borough were playing within themselves, and the players were you know, clearly looked a little bit kind of demoralised or dejected for me. This is their opportunity now to prove that they've got 10 games to prove they're Premier League footballers. I think it's also just very quickly, it's a massive opportunity for Steve Agnew, yeah. isn't it? Oh. You know, I mean, let, let's, just, let's not forget what a huge, huge opportunity. He's had an opportunity that some coaches will never get. You know, there's a lot of coaches around like Steve Agnew who are very talented, they've got really good reputations within the game and the opportunities just don't come along. You know, if I'm thinking of someone like Tony Mowbray, he'll be thinking, he's got Steve Agnew's got the opportunity to, to manage Borough in the Premier League. That was that was my dream to do that. So somebody with his experience, Tony Mowbray, had to take the job in the championship. So if Agnes gets it right and it's you know, and there's a chance that he could you know that you know it could be the making of him. A lot of football does come down to luck. Yes, yeah, in the does, right yeah. place at the right time, and it could be luck that that sparks the season. You know, a, a dodgy last-minute goal that's blatantly offside could be the spark that you need to bring a little bit of belief back. And and sometimes that's what it takes. It's the same. You you touched there on the opportunity. It's the same for Woodgate, isn't it? Phil, you sat down with him a matter of weeks ago. Was 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 he talking there about? Uh, when obviously he said previously that he wanted to go into coaching, did he have any inkling at that point that not necessarily at Borough but that an opportunity could be around the corner or did he think I'm going to have to save my time possibly go in with academy groups and work the way up that way? I think what was impressive about him when I asked him about it was he was saying I, I, I'm looking to go into coaching and management but the time has to be right and the situation has to be right <clears throat> and he didn't seem to be in any rush, he seemed to be really enjoying his role with Liverpool um, that scouting role that he had, which you would, which you would, of course. But but, but but as Vic quite rightly said, there it's sometimes it's about being in the right place at the right time. Look at Gareth Southgate; he's the England manager almost by default. You know he would, you know he wasn't even really in the running when Sam was appointed, and yet because the FA wanted a safe pair of hands, he pretty much walked into the role. And you know if this is the opportunity that Jonathan and, Woodgate, and at Borough he got the manager's yeah, job yeah, yeah. again because other. Other candidates turned yeah. it down or weren't suitable. So, so if it's, so an opportunity comes up like that for Jonathan Woodgate, I think he's got to. He's got to. I'm sure he is, but he's got to grasp it with both hands, thinking I might never get the chance to coach at a Premier League club ever again. Similar to Agus, I've just been saying about Agus. I think we forget sometimes where Borough are. You know, I'm guilty of it myself. Borough are a Premier League club in in the most publicised league in the world, and. Someone like Agus has been given an opportunity, Woody's been given an opportunity, Paul Jenkins has been given an opportunity, George Jordan will have snapped the offer to come here with both hands. So if these people can get it right, and fingers crossed they do, you know, it could be the making of everyone we've just discussed. And Agnew will feel that he's deserved this opportunity, General, because he's touched previously on how he said he's felt he served his time. And it was interesting to hear him say that there was a, there was a moment in the last year where he, he, he almost felt ready at that mm. point, and right now I'm ready to take the, make the step up. Yeah, everyone, I mean, everyone's been talking about Steve Agnew as a potential manager one day, haven't they? I mean, remember I talked around, I said in no uncertain terms that this guy has what it takes to be a manager. Um, and it was no coincidence that he, he was massively linked with the Aston Villa assistance job, wasn't he? And and you know by all accounts, Aston Villa did actually make that approach. And and he said, no, I'm I'm staying put. And right, 
exactly so. I mean, he probably he's probably learned an awful lot under the managers he has worked under. He's got every he's got a coaching CV to match anyone's. Um, I think he has done his time. I think it's refreshing to see someone who, you know, yes, I understand that the. The, the worry that he's not got the experience but you know you've got to start from somewhere it's refreshing to see someone like him given a chance and I think with the whole coaching setup now I think all of them have, have will be excited they've got a point to prove but more importantly I don't think any of them will fear failure I think that some managers might have come in for the final 10 games and, and kind of realised hang on this is my you know this is my reputation on the line here I can't afford to do this and and kind of he may well have set the team a little bit negatively to not lose games but I think with these three they've got 10 games to go and prove themselves they can't leave themselves short I think they'll be it's exciting they'll be they won't be scared of failing but they'll be they'll do everything they can to succeed I think the point to make about Steve Agnew is he's he's vastly more experienced and a lot older than Aitor Karanka was when he took the job now the backgrounds are very different, obviously Real Madrid compared to Leicester. But but the point the point is that Agnew's been a top level coach now for over a decade. He's I mean vastly more experienced than Brian Robson when he took over. He had virtually no coaching experience Even Steve McLaren, by although highly regarded as a coach, was only in his early forties. Steve Agnew's what, fifty, fifty one, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um so so you know, I think we probably be careful not to label him as a and I'm well, I must say we have by the way, but it's easy to label him as a, a rookie. Well, it, I suppose in managerial terms, he is a little bit. But in terms of experience, a, the people he's worked with, his background, he's been working it, at a high level. It's a level long level. experience, isn't it, being a coach and breaking into management? I mean, I remember when uh, Aggers was uh, co-manager, in effect, with Gary Gill at Gateshead, and the pair of them built a decent side there, and then the, the, the budget got reduced drastically, and they both resigned on principle because they, they had the rug pulled underneath them. And Gilly started working with Radio T's and I, I had a conversation with Gilly and I said, you know, do you fancy getting back into management? And he said to me, well, not really, I've had a taste of it. I mean, that's not for me, but Aggers will be a manager. Mm. And even then, he'd marked out that Aggers was the sort of person that was going to be the diligent bloke that did all the homework, that learnt from every drill, that kept notes that was going to do his badges and his A licence and he was willing to put the time and effort in and I think it's been recognised within the club for a long time now that Aggers was a potential manager I mean when he left here uh, I think they kept in touch with him because the intention was always you know if he gets experience you know we want that inside the tent uh, and when he went away, I mean, a lot of people, if you leave a club, that's it, the door's shut on you, you know, it seems an act of betrayal, but, but he went away, he, he, he's cut his teeth at Hartlepool, he was at Leeds, uh, he's been to Hull, uh, and the club brought him back for a reason, and that, re- that reason is not that, you know, oh, he's one of our own, the reason is he's got a wealth of experience that people within football, within football's bubble, they see that. Outsiders probably don't see it. He's just a name on a team sheet. Or he was, did he used to be assistant su- such and such a place? But within football, I think it's recognised that he is uh, a, a diligent, creative coach that has got something to offer. He was in. He was away with Borough, by the way, in the 2008 pre-season trip to Portugal. He was part of the, the, the coaching setup there. I remember talking to him when you know at, at the time. And so he's been around Middlesbrough, as Vic says, for a long time. Do you think that all that said? Now, obviously. A number of experience is something that's cropped up a few times here in the last 15 20 minutes or so. And, and experienced managers such as Nigel Pearson and, and Alan Pardew were thought to be in the mix. Given all that's said about Agnew, given the position Borough in, do you think it was the right appointment? 
think the only time will tell is it, I mean if, if Borough go down you've, you've got to say no and, that, and that's perhaps harsh because I can use taking charge of a team when he took charge there were three points adrift but I think if Middlesbrough do go down that is partly Agnew's fault as well. I understand, for example, the the, um, the kind of comparison was when Shearer took charge of Newcastle and he didn't save them for the last 10 games and the perception was, oh, well, they were down, the damage was already done. I think that Agnew, has, it, it, he will be judged on whether Borough stay will go down because I think the perception with the games ahead of him is that Borough have enough to stay up. Now, that's a little bit of a difficult brief for him, really, because he's already starting on minus five points. Um whether it's the right one, we you know ask me after Sunday perhaps. But I think that there is a lot riding on his shoulders because if Borough go down, I think that he will be seen as as someone that's equally culpable as Aitor Karanka. But then equally, is he in a slight not no lose situation because no no manager wants a relegation on the record. But you'd acknowledge that he is, as you said, starting on minus five. Well, I think the things you've got to take into account are, I've said all season that Borough's status in the Premier League will largely depend on keeping the best players on the pitch. Now, he's inherited a situation where he's got Callum Chambers, George Friend and a couple of other players um, who are carrying knocks to the point where they may not feature this season. So there's one one tick, one cross in the negative box and that's not his fault. Mm-hmm. He's, in, he's also taken over when Borough five points adrift. There's another cross in the negative box whatever you want to say and um, we didn't really know to start with whether this group of players was ever going to be good enough to stay in the Premier League um, but I'd also take on Jono's point about the fact that there is 10 games to go uh, I think as much as whether or not stay, whether or not Borough stay up this season to, be, to judge Jaggers I think it's also the nature of how they play now I think you know heaven forbid but they, you know, they, they're going to free fall and you know we're down with five games to go, pretty much. Then clearly that's not going to reflect well on him. But if Borough play with spirit, are well organised, they challenge teams, they win the occasional game, they look to have a system that makes sense of you know gets the best out of the players that are at his at his disposable disposal. Sorry, if his coaching team seems to be working well, all these things will be taken into account because you know sometimes the best will in the world it just might Borough just might fall a little bit short in the last 10 games but if Steve Gibson sees the signs that that, that around the club Agus has engaged everybody he's getting the best out of the players at his disposal he's winning as I say winning the occasional game scoring goals suddenly Borough look like a team that have a chance then then I think he will be judged very fairly and mm. I think I think that could reflect on him even if Borough unfortunately do go down Vic, before we wrap up, obviously Agnew's had two weeks now on the training ground ahead of this game. Would you expect any, any drastic changes in the way the team's set up and the way the team play on Sunday? Uh, I don't think there'll be drastic changes. Uh, I think the, the squad has certain capacities and there's no point asking them to play in a way that they don't have the personnel for and they haven't been drilled for. Uh, I think there'll be tinkering and, and changes in nuance and emphasis. And I, thought, I think we saw that against Man United, the way they started first 10-15 minutes basically the same personnel not much of a change of a shape it was kind of more like a orthodox 4-3-3 rather than a 4-1-4-1 but it wouldn't it could quite easily have been a team that that Aitor Karanka could have turned out at some point in the previous three or four months so the same personnel roughly the same shape but a different emphasis we we saw that in the first 15 minutes and then in the last 10-15 minutes we saw a different different style and we saw that they were capable of making that work so I think he's got options uh, to play in a more attacking mindset uh, more more tempo 
and more intent. And I don't think that cha- that that needs a revolution to to bring that about. John, we discussed earlier this week when you were off the minimum points target um, from next week. Obviously, Swansea, Hull, and Burnley. The general consensus seemed to be six or seven. Would would six be enough with a win at Swansea, or, or do you need to go through the three games unbeaten with at least two wins? No, I don't think so. I think I think that six would be a good return so long as they don't lose at Swansea. Uh, even you could argue a point at Swansea followed by two wins is fine as well. Um, Borough will pick up points in games that we've gotten down to lose this like, between now and May. You know, I'm absolutely certain of it. But equally, everyone else will pick points up in games that they don't. We always see it. Look at what Sunderland do every year. Um, so I don't think anything's must win at the minute. I certainly think Sundays must not lose because to go eight points behind would be that would be it. Um, but this is what an opportunity this is for for Agne, Steve Agnew. And if they can get something from Swansea and a positive momentum, all of a sudden things could transform very quickly. Look at how quickly it transformed after the Palace game, and then the Stoke game. And then all of a sudden, Borough were three points adrift. Could have the flip reverse, but it's all about Sunday. And I think it, perhaps with that in mind. Agnew will be in a little bit of a tactical conundrum, really, because does he go out and attack and risk you know, getting beat, or does he start very slowly and, and rigid and then ease his way in? But equally, I don't think that the av- if, if that second option goes wrong, it will impact very badly on him, I think. So it's a really difficult one whether they go all out from the off or not. Phil Jono said it's must not lose Sunday. Surely, you know, when, you, when you're five points behind a team and you're playing them to suck them back in, is it as close to a must win as, as you is, get? It is pretty much. I mean, I think Jono's right. Borough could draw that match and still have a chance of getting out of it, but they're going to have to get some points from somewhere. And that, you know, if you can't get a, uh, get a result against one of your direct rivals, uh, you, who are you going to get them against? I also think it's an, uh, Swansea will be very nervous about Sunday's game. Very, very nervous. They've had a couple of dodgy results lately. Borough, Borough beat them. If Borough beat them, they're going to be wobbling massively. Yeah. And, and, and with a game in hand as well, don't forget, on the Swansea. Um, Borough have an opportunity to overhaul them. But yeah. you know, I, th- I think what they can't do is obviously lose it. That, that more or less puts Borough, uh, certainly puts Swansea out of reach of Borough. I think in some ways the psychology of what happens on Sunday is more important than the stats. Because you can always like, make an argument that the points will come from somewhere else. But in terms of the dynamics down there, a Borough win will transform it. A Borough win will put them right behind Swansea with the game in hand and it will leave Swansea having lost four out of five, three out of four, and suddenly their new manager bouncer's gone. The doubts creep back in. They've got a team behind them with a game in hand so they can't afford to lose games. And then you're also within touching distance of Crystal Palace again. So I think the win is important psychologically more than just the three points that are on offer I think I mean if, if that makes sense a positive place to finish cheers fellas thank you